You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. My guest today is Matt Hammett, and his son, Bowen, is the subject of a very powerful film documentary called Bowen's Heart. And this documentary takes us through their journey about their son, who was diagnosed with a heart defect, and how that journey affected them as parents and tested their faith. And many of you may know Matt Hammett as a singer-songwriter, author, and speaker. He is best known as the former lead singer and songwriter for the two-time Grammy-nominated band, Sanctus Real. But today, we talk health, family, and faith. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Matt Hammett, the father of Bowen, to the show. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Bond. Appreciate you having me on. Well, tell me about this film. Why was it so important to make it? Yeah, so in 2010, when our son was diagnosed with a critical heart condition, we immediately began receiving questions. And I mean, it started as support, you know, so people started reaching out to us and letting us know that they were thinking about us, praying for us. It was really an outpouring and that we were really grateful for. Once we made it through some of the initial seasons of dealing with Bowen's health issues, then we started getting more questions from other families. What was it like walking through this? How did it affect your marriage? How did it affect your other siblings? And so, um, you know, I guess for us, we really would walk with people through those questions, but this was an opportunity for us to show them what it was really like to walk through it, show them they're not alone, and hopefully give them hope that these difficult trials can actually bring us together as a family instead of tear us apart. Uh, exactly. And, you know, let's talk about Bowen for a moment. Um, uh, how did you how did you and Sarah find out uh, that there was a problem? Yeah, so 20 week uh, ultrasound uh, in April of 2010 is when we found out in utero that Bowen had uh, a congenital heart disease called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which basically means that he only has half of a heart. And so from April to September, when he was due, we really didn't know a whole lot about his condition or how it would affect his life, except for uh, the fact that he would have to have three open heart surgeries in order to survive. So there were you know, a wide variety of outcomes um, for these kids with this disease. And so we were really blessed after he was born to find that, um, you know, we thought maybe a few other things would be wrong as well. And so even though it's very severe to only have half a heart, uh, that was the only issue that he had. And beyond that, he was healthy. So um, that, that was good news, but still very difficult, as you know, to have to go straight into open heart surgeries with an infant. Well, can I explain the condition for us? Because, you know, me being in health, I understand that the heart has four chambers. Yes. So with Bowen's heart, does his heart only have two chambers to actually receive blood and then push it out for exactly. circulation? Yeah, so he only has two chambers. You know, the left side of his heart did not develop at all. So those two chambers, um, there, there was not enough blood getting through the valve to the other side of the heart for it to develop when he was in the womb. Uh, 
And so they basically have to, in the surgeries, replumb the one side of his heart to take the blood uh, where it needs to go. So it's very interesting that, I mean, really amazing that they've been able to figure out how to help these kids survive. Well, how rare is this type of condition? Yeah, so only about 4,000 uh, kids a year have this particular um, disease, you know, this, as, 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 a, as opposed to hundreds of thousands of kids that are diagnosed each year with, with heart disease. So uh, actually, one out of every 100 kids is diagnosed with some kind of heart disease, whether that's a, a simple um, hole in their heart that can be easily repaired or something more serious. Um, but this is a very, very small percentage of, of, of kids that are born with HLHS. Well, um, is there any research out there that shows what a possible cause of this type of defect and how it develops? Yeah, so there's a very, well, there's very little research because there's so few kids that have it. So there's not a lot of funding for it. Um, however, you know, they've found that they don't believe that it's necessarily caused by anything um, besides perhaps some sort of genetic trait. That's what they believe. Um, there could be other reasons, but that's the belief at this moment. Well, as parents, uh, what what were the emotions that both of you went through when you first got the news that there was a problem and that there were going to be open heart surgeries done after he was born? Yeah, I think once we moved beyond the initial tears and sadness, I think that we found some resolve to really move forward. You know, we, I think we felt we had to be strong as parents uh, and really prayed an awful lot about what to do and how to just, that God would give us wisdom in making decisions. Um, definitely, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the test of faith. It, for us as Christians, it did definitely cause us to ask a lot of questions about our faith. And, you know, why would God allow something like this to happen? And all the natural questions that people ask when, you know, bad news comes into their lives. And so we definitely struggled with all that. Um, but through it, it ultimately strengthened our faith. It helps us to trust more. Um, it grew our character. Um, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, that talks about how suffering produces character and perseverance in us. And that brings us hope ultimately. And so, and that, and that, you know, his hope does not disappoint us. And we felt that as we began to hope in our despair, um, we definitely felt kind of an odd sense of, of joy and peace through it all, even though it's hard. But that's not to say that we also didn't experience a lot of grief. And the really interesting thing that we didn't anticipate was that Sarah and I would actually grieve differently. And that not only would we grieve differently, but there were ways that we almost um, grieved separately and even had difficulty understanding each other in the way that we grieved. And that, you know, really made sense to us uh, after experiencing that when we hear the number of families that experience brokenness and divorce after having chronically ill children or losing children, it's a very hard series of emotions to go through and to navigate as a family. Well, you, we're both fathers. And as fathers, we have this sense of needing to control the situation. 
how did you navigate through that sense of control? But then Sarah is dealing with, you know, mothers think differently than fathers do. Yes. And because they're very, very nurturing. But did you feel like you were out of control that, you know, this was literally something that only God can take care of? Yeah, absolutely. I felt very out of control. And that was one of the things that ultimately, as hard as it was, ended up growing my faith to be able to rely on God instead of myself. And I think, you know, Sarah, for sure, as the nurturer, was right there at Bone's bedside all the time, actively, like, just doing the mama bear thing, you know, and, and, and I struggled to find where do I contribute? How do I lead? How do I be supportive? And, you know, finding my place in all that when I felt a little bit helpless at times really did, I mean, test me in a major way. And so you're right. I mean, we want to fix things. We want to control things. We want to help. And sometimes when you can't really do anything but wait or pray or trust, you have to surrender to, uh, to what God is up to and not your own plans. Well, Matt, let me ask you this. Uh, can you share with us maybe some of those very special God moments, uh, knowing that, you know, here you and Sarah are just going through the, these big range of emotions before Bowen was born and then, you know, trying to figure out and navigate what's going to happen when he is born. Uh, can you share a few of the God moments that... Uh, that the Lord showed both of you that his hand is on Bowen the whole time. Absolutely. Yeah. So actually the very first one that happened was when we first found out about Bowen's heart, the day of our 20 week ultrasound, and we were just completely crushed inside. We were going to have our first boy. We brought our daughter Emmy with us. Uh, we had, we had two girls at the time. They both were just begging us for a little brother. We had to explain to them we couldn't make that happen, but we were hoping that would happen. And uh, coming out of that appointment with our oldest daughter with us after finding out the news, uh, she didn't understand why, why mom and dad were, were so sad. And we were trying to hold back the tears and be strong for her, and but yet couldn't help it once we got in the car, tears began to flow. And I remember going to uh, turn on the radio and we had actually had a CD in the radio um, back when there were, you know, everybody had CD players in their cars. <laughs> so we, our, our CD player had always worked wonderfully. And that day there was an error message flashing and the CD would not play. And that had never happened in that car before. And so I pushed the radio button to the Christian radio station. And the minute I pushed that button, the very first notes of a song sang by my friend, Mike Donahue, who's in a band called 10th Avenue North, the very first notes of a song called Hold My Heart came on the radio. Wow. And it was the most absolute perfect message for what we were going through that moment. We were able to just hold each other's hands and trust that God is with us and God sees us. And, you know, one of the other little things that kind of followed us throughout the story was that in our moments of greatest desperation and need to know that God was, and, and when we needed most to know that God was with us, we would always find these most perfectly shaped heart rocks 
or little like, you know, pieces of nature or leaves that looked perfectly shaped like a heart. And to us, we did take that as a sign that God was with us all along the way, even when we didn't understand what was happening. Yeah, you know, God reminds us that He is the one that is the source. He reminds us that He is the one that is in control. And, you know, um, yeah, you know, praise the Lord. You know, both of both of our kids are healthy, and I and I can't even imagine being placed in that situation like you and Sarah, and really just, I mean, you know, faith is when you really truly have to let go and let God do His thing, and all you can do is hang on to the hem of His garment, and and. And like you said, it, it strengthened both of you um, through this whole situation. Now, when Bowen was born, um, you know, he comes out, he looks completely normal. He, he looks healthy. Uh, what was, was there a mixture of emotions between what you're seeing and then knowing what's inside? Yeah, that first 24 hours after he was born, there was that moment where we thought, okay, is his heart really broken? Because he looked so perfect, you know? And then, you know, slowly but surely, he started becoming a little more blue and, you know, his oxygen levels began to drop a bit. And so we realized pretty quickly that, you know, we were on the path um, that the doctors had told us. And five days after he was born, he had to go in for his first open heart surgery. And so, yeah, it was very, very difficult to feel when he was born that he looked so perfect and so beautiful and just knowing that underneath it all that he would have to go through that that surgery you know because of his heart and so it was a big range of emotions and and hopes and dreams and you know expectations and figuring out how to find your balance and all of that well let me ask you this because you know when it comes to doctors, um, you know, I always tell people that, you know, if you're going for surgery or maybe a loved one's going in for surgery, you know, you pray for wisdom. You, you know, you ask for the spirit of wisdom to cover that doctor and, and for the Lord to yeah. guide his hands. Uh, what were some of the God moments with uh, the numerous surgeries with Bowman? Bowen, um, can you, do you, is there one that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. So the night of Bowen's first surgery, we tried to get some sleep because the doctors told us that there may have been some complications, even though things went pretty well. They had their eye on a few different things that they were hoping wouldn't go wrong, but they just said, hey, get some rest. It's gonna be a long few weeks in the hospital, maybe longer. So we took their advice, we went back to our room, got a little bit of rest. And you know, this is represented in the film as well. At 2.13, AM they called us and I remember it because that alarm clock in the room was just, you know, shining those numbers so bright. It was the first thing I saw when we woke up and the doctor, um, actually one of the nurses called us and told us that Bowen's heart had stopped beating, that he had gone or had a cardiac arrest and that they were trying to revive him. And so really when we got to his room, we weren't expecting what we saw. It was, I'm actually, so I never know how to describe it to people. It was very surreal, but I'm surprised they let us in there. I mean, as you know, being in healthcare, sometimes saving a life can look very violent. And they had taken the patch off Bowen's chest, so his chest was wide open. 
And one of the nurses had her fingers between the walls of his chest, pumping his heart to keep him alive. And they allowed us to be there for almost 45 minutes. And we were just kind of reaching from the bottom of the bed and holding his toes and praying for him. And when they pulled us away from his bedside, I, I knew what that likely meant. It did not seem that there was much hope for him. And when they took us into the, the, the neighboring room and shut the door, I just remember all the tears came to me as a father. And I had this little stuffed animal of his and I was just holding it and clenching it. I remember one of the first things that I said in that room was I just, I just said, Jesus, you're my treasure. You're the only thing that no one can ever take away from me. In that moment, I kind of had like this, this faith that I knew that eternity was all I really had hope in. So that set in very deeply, but I also prayed that God would heal my son. So desperately, I've never in my life prayed a prayer that desperately. And of course, knowing God's will will be done, I, I can't necessarily change what happens, but I can pray from the depths of my heart. And moments after I prayed that prayer, the same nurse that called us to tell us that Bowen's heart had stopped beating came back in the room and told us that his heart was beating again. And they had revived him and put him on life support. And that moment, I mean, to me, you know, we talk about God moments and miracles is just such a, a amazing moment for me in my life as a milestone marker of when God answered my most desperate prayer. And I walked in that room and the doctor who was actually putting him back on life or had put him on life support and stitching up his neck and such looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, Hey dad, you still got a kid in there. And I, and I just, I, I'll never forget those words. You've still got a kid in there. 12 years later, we've still got a kid in there. And it's amazing. And I do always say that it's, it's not lost on me when I tell this story that there's someone out there who didn't get their, their prayer answered mm. or maybe didn't get the outcome they had hoped in their miracle moment. And because of, of our awareness of that, now I don't think for one day we take for granted the fact that we get to keep Bowen. And we know that life is fragile, but we do our very best to try to just cherish every single day. Well, how many surgeries has he had? So he had two surgeries in the first six months of his life. And then typically with kids with his condition, they'll have a third surgery called the Fontan, which is typically, you know, around three year mark, maybe three or four. And we found some different, um, some different centers that were actually waiting longer and having a lot of success for kids that were doing fairly well after their second surgery. So we ended up waiting on Bowen's third surgery, which was elective. And we waited till he was eight years old and we really knew that his body was showing signs that he absolutely couldn't live without it. And so that was his third surgery and that was the surgery that we followed in the movie Bowen's Heart. Was that a, was that, um... What was the emotion, the feeling that you and Sarah went through knowing that you could wait on the third surgery or you could have it done now? I mean, was there, did y'all have a tug of war between should we do it now or should we wait? And how long do we wait? I mean, how did yeah. you make that decision? Yeah, so there were times that I felt we 
should kind of take the nudges from our doctors in Michigan to say, hey, just go ahead and get it done. Something inside of Sarah's heart really felt like it wasn't quite time. And, you know, I think Sarah, there's different ways in a relationship, right? That we learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, or we learn um, the intuition that we each might have. So there's things that Sarah trusts me on that maybe I have better intuition in certain areas. And there's things I trust her on. And so in that moment, I was willing to submit to her intuition because I had seen early on, especially, there was a certain medication uh, that we were dealing with when Bowen had a sugar issue. Actually, he had, he, had a, he had a low sugar issue that threatened to kill him in the early days, even more than his heart condition. He kept going so low that he would stroke. And there was, a, there was one certain medication that he was on that the doctors had never, ever seen have that kind of uh, effect before. Yeah, so when Bone was experiencing um, low sugar in the hospital as an infant, you know, they told us that they didn't believe it was possible for a certain ACE inhibitor that they were giving him to cause these sort of episodes. Um, but Sarah was taking notes. She had this gut about about this certain medication. And she said, hey, I really want you guys to take him off this medication. And when they finally did, all those episodes went away. And it was just her gut against what, you know, the doctors had, had believed in good faith, of course. You know, they weren't obviously they're trying to help us. So I don't hold that against them at all. But, you know, they in their experience, that hadn't happened before. But Sarah just had that mama bear got that that's what was doing it and she was right and so when it came to some of these others this other decisions i kind of learned to listen to that voice but there were times it'd be like oh man you know i don't know should we do this should we not do this uh, it was hard yeah i can't even imagine the well you know a lot i guess every decision that you and sarah had to make was technically a life and death um situation i mean because you don't know i mean like you said this is such a rare condition and you know all right so bowen is now 12 years old uh have there been any advancements in uh, treatments and in surgeries for this type of uh condition in children yeah well they're always i mean as you know i'm sure with most procedures they're always getting a little better at it they're always tweaking it a little bit um finding you know new materials to repair with new tools to use uh to fix these conditions and so we've definitely seen that uh a lot of the kids in the young or the newer generations with this disease are continuing to do better and better and the numbers are definitely improving there also are a few different things technologies that we've been hearing rumblings of for a few years that may be able to actually help at some point um, increase the natural flow of blood in his body. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know if they're using them yet, but at one point Sarah was talking about how she saw uh, the development of almost like, it would almost be like a little fan type that goes inside of your artery and, and actually allows the blood, it kind of propels the blood naturally. And so there's these little things that we're hearing about all the time that uh, you know, we have some hope for that maybe they could help continue to improve his condition, his blood flow, his quality of life. Um, so, so we'll see. We're always praying that 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 it'll come along. 
Well, I was amazed, Matt, that when I when I watched the full documentary on how Bowen was a normal kid. I mean, he is a normal kid, energetic, yeah. active, and did that play a lot on y'all's mind of seeing him running and playing and playing with his sisters and just being a a, a boy? But here is this heart defect and. Um, you know, and of course, you know, when did you start noticing when he needed to have that third surgery? Yeah, I think you get so used to just feeling that he's okay, that it can be hard to let yourself embrace the reality that he needs some more treatment. And that's definitely where we were as we were approaching that third surgery, um, when we were trying to decide whether or not we would even do it. I think we kept wanting to believe like things have seemed okay for so long. Like you said, he seems so normal. And then to us, we also get so used to the fact that he's naturally a little more blue. He naturally has a little less energy and oxygen. And so you start kind of just embracing that as your normal. And so it is hard to make the decision that, okay, this is no longer healthy for him and and to do something about it and i think it'll be the same thing honestly in the future trying to make decisions about uh different treatments moving forward one of the options for bowen is a heart transplant and he you know that, that actually currently is an option if we wanted to take that route they would prefer not to transplant kids who are still living a decent quality of life on the heart that they have and we're in that boat as well mm. we would like to wait until that's the last option but, you know, I think we always have to keep in mind that these are possibilities. These are things that we have to keep our eye on that, you know, knowing that it is a possibility in the future, there could be more procedures like that or more intervention and knowing when to take them to the doctor or when to get intervention is definitely always a struggle. And, but Sarah and I are, are Sarah has a really good gauge again with that. Her gut is so good. Um, on those things. And so, but we talk about it quite often. Well, I was kind of wondering because <clears throat> he's 12 years old. He's going to be becoming a, a teenager. And, yeah. you know, from the ages of, let's say, 13 to 18, you know, especially with boys, there is going to be that big growth spurt. And are there any things that you have to keep an eye on during the next, let's say, five or six years? Yeah. So, you know, there are a couple uh side effects a couple of diseases that can possibly um come into the picture with kids who are in their fontan phase which is the last surgery that bowen had there's one uh disease called ple uh protein losing uropathy that actually um, does not allow children to absorb proteins and you know can actually cause death it's very sadly um we've known a few kids who have that disease after the surgery. So Sarah and I both kind of know some of the signs to look for, for those things. And then also, I think, as mentioned before, and as you see in the film, really keeping an eye on his oxygen level. That's a huge indicator as to whether or not his heart is keeping up with his activity or his body. And so that probably would be the main thing that we would watch. So does he uh, still have to do oxygen treatments? 
Not anymore, no. So it's really been wonderful since he had his Fontan surgery. He no longer has to take uh, supplemental oxygen. And he does get a little tuckered out faster than the other kids, but really never needs oxygen at this point. So we've been blessed with that. Wow, fantastic. So what does the future hold for Bowen? Yeah, so one of the really cool things that we've had the opportunity to do is to sing together on the road. I've been bringing him with me on uh, you know, a number of my concert dates uh, to be able to share his story and then bring him out on stage. And people love hearing the story and then seeing him right there singing uh, his heart out, you know, and he's so talented uh, just as a, as a singer and actually as a performer. He really, people are always like, I can't believe how much energy he brings on stage and he really gives it his heart. And so it's a, it's a real blessing to see him up there and to be up there with him. And I hope that he continues to pursue music. He loves music, but regardless of what he pursues, you know, obviously we're just grateful for him. We're proud of him. We'll encourage him and whatever it is that he wants to do. But it does seem like he has music in his bones, just like his dad. Well, what is next for Matt Hammett? Well, I have been working on a, a variety of creative projects. One thing I'm working on right now, I'm working with an organization called Save the Storks, which is kind of a funny name. Uh, imagine though that the storks are the women delivering babies. <laughs> Those are the storks. Um, it's an organization that focuses on giving resources, both financial and practical, emotional support to women who want to choose life, but they don't feel they have the resources to do it. So one of the things that I'm working on is developing a program for fathers who are in unplanned pregnancies, who have the desire to be a father, but don't feel like they have the resources or that they're not equipped to do so. So it's a bit of a call to the heart to say, hey, you've been designed for this, you're made for this, you have what it takes, um, and calling them into it and, and helping lead them to the resources that they need um, to be successful as fathers and a loving partner to their child's mother. And so, um, you know, there's a, a whole group of people that desperately need these kinds of resources. And so we're developing them uh, and also, uh, I'm always writing new music, always thinking about a next project. We'll see. I've got uh, too many ambitions, and I'm trying to figure out which ones are realistic to chase after. No, I I, I can feel you there, Matt, because uh, you know, just you know, we're we're creative types, and uh, yeah. you just don't feel like you're doing much if you're not creating or creating something. But uh, you're doing an amazing job out there but i have to ask you the question because you know i think it's been well a couple of months now uh if you want to kind of give us a really quick story what happened with the baseball game situation yeah so um i mentioned the organization save the storks i'm not only developing a fatherhood program for them but i also represent them at some of the events that they sponsor and the reason i love working with that organization is because um, you know, their their mantra is love, compassion, action. They're not out, you know, 
screaming about what they don't or what they're not for. They're laser focused on what they are for. And they're laser focused on finding people who need help and giving them the help they need. And so I just, I love working with them for and And so they were asked by the Rocky Mountain Vibes to sponsor a faith and family night for the baseball team. And they graciously said, yes, they invested time and money, almost six months. The average amount of tickets sold for the team is like under 2000 seats. And they sold over 5,500 tickets because of the promotion that Save the Storks did for them in the Colorado Springs area. And the day of the event, after six months, after asking us to perform and Save the Storks to, to promote the event and, and sponsor it, they called Save the Storks and us and said, hey, the entire event is canceled. And we found out that the reason it was canceled is because there are one or two people internally um, and a couple organizations that sponsor them that said, if you allow an event to happen with uh, a sponsor that's basically, even in the pro-life world, then we, we're not gonna sponsor you any longer. And so, you know, we thought, man, they had, they had six months to figure out <laughs> what we were about. They invited us. So it was sad, you know, they're, they're, we're, they aren't taking any legal action or anything like that. Um, you know, they did lose thousands of dollars, uh, the organization and a lot of time. But you know what, they showed grace and they continued to just, they continue to stay focused on their mission. And again, that's why I'm I love that organization. That's why I support them every time I can, because that's what we need more of in this world, right? Is to people who just stay on mission, keep loving people, serving people, helping people, and not letting stuff like that bring us down. Exactly. And and that's that's what true servanthood in Christ is all about. And yep. Wow. You tell them over there that they are welcome to come on to my show. and We'll talk about it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They, probably, they would love it. They would love it. Well, and, you know, and I will say, I will add, like, you know, I also applaud the people who did call the organization and said, hey, we don't appreciate you uh, doing this the way that you did it, you know, and encourage them to operate with more integrity in the future, you know, and I think, you know, there is a place to say, hey, this is not right. This is not okay. But again, um, then moving on and keep and helping people. So it's uh, it's it's that balance, right? In this world of speaking the truth and then also being servant hearted and loving towards those you disagree with. And so it's it's a hard balance to find these days because the world is so polarized, but we're working on it, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The, the Lord blesses us more when we take the high road. That's right. I mean... They could have been throwing lawsuits around after this whole situation, but they didn't. You take the yeah. high road and uh, you do what you're supposed to do and God will take care of the rest. You know, God right. will avenge and bless them back twofold what was taken away. Absolutely. So, I believe it. Yeah. And so where can, where can all of my viewers and my listeners know more about you, but also to watch Bowen's heart? Yep. So, um, People can just look up matthammett.com. There's some basic information there about what I'm up to. Also, I'm on socials just by my name, so people can find me very easily. Um, and then we actually have a website called bowensheart.com. 
It's just the movie name and you can go, you can find out more about Bowen's story, watch the trailer, get links to where you can watch it online. Um, and then also you can see some other cool stuff that Bowen's done, some music videos with me and uh, it's, it's, it's a fun page. Oh, fantastic. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more about Matt Hammett, go to matthammett.com as well as bowensheart.com. And I encourage you to watch the documentary. You know, we all need to, you know, one thing that is falling short in this world is empathy, compassion and care. And, and that's what we need. And if, and if you feel like you, you don't have enough compassion or understanding for what others are going through, this is the documentary you want to watch because we need that. We need to care about one another. We need to care about what other people are going through because guess what? We are called to pray for them. And, and to make it simple, you can continue to pray for Bowen as he, as he grows up. He's about to become a teenager, and, and those are big, important years. But we pray healing and strength upon Bowen, and we pray just, you know, just love for you, Matt, and your wife, Sarah, and the rest of your family, and many blessings to your ministry as well. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, appreciate those prayers as well.